from Michigan Radio, this is It's Just Politics. I'm Zoe Clark. We are all still grappling with the tragedy this week at Michigan State University. Monday's shooting killed three students and wounded five others. Students, members of the community, and some lawmakers gathered on Wednesday outside of the state capitol for a sit-in. Democratic Senator Rosemary Bayer was one of them. She heads the Legislative Firearm Safety and Violence Prevention Caucus. She also represented Oxford during the school shooting that killed four students in 2021. She joins us now. Senator, welcome. Thank you. Appreciate that. Senate Democrats have introduced a new package of gun safety bills this week. Can you tell me a little about them? Um, we introduced three different packages of bills. They're the sort of the entry point for this kind of work. We based it on what polling here in Michigan has consistently said the people want, which is really important to us, right? We are trying to make sure that everything we do is in alignment with what the people of Michigan want. So we know we we know that we want their kids to be safe. We can start there. So the three packages, the first one is called the universal background checks, which is pretty common in states that are doing any kind of care in this space. Right now we do background checks only for handguns. And so the bills effectively cross out the word handgun and put firearm. So any kind of purchase will start to do background checks. The second package is what we colloquially call safe storage. Some people call it child access protection. These bills are designed to ensure that gun owners know that they cannot allow a minor access to their firearm and that if they do, uh, if a a minor gets access to their firearm and either hurts themselves or anyone else, then that gun owner is going to be held responsible. And there's different different circumstances around it and different punishments. But if you do that and you know that kid has access, that's a felony. The third one is um, extreme risk protection orders, which are commonly spoken of as red flag laws, gets the opportunity to get a court order. If you know someone in your family is at risk to themselves or someone else, you can call the police and they can get a court order to come and temporarily take possession of that person's firearms. And then they're guaranteed to get a hearing with a certain set period of time. And either the firearms get released or that person has now, of course, in the course of this whole process, the known and recognized opportunity to get some kind of help or depending on the circumstance, what does that person need? So it's very carefully processed. I think there are 17 or 18 states now that do this. Often it is an impact to both suicide as well as domestic violence. Um, Lots of opportunity to, to help save some lives there. These three bills, again, universal background checks, safe storage laws, red flag laws, this is something that Democrats have been talking about for years. I'm curious if there was any more conversation this past week in caucus about adding anything more to these three bills. We are talking about it. We have talked about it. We started working on updating the package, all three packages, last November, late last November, looking at talking with other states and how they're doing, what's happening with their legislation, making sure that we have the best and uh, most current legislation possible to go forward. We knew that we were going to want to do something quickly in the start of our new session. And so the decision was to stick with, like I said, the things that have polled consistently that people are in favor of here across the state. And that's like 70 to 90 percent of the people, depending on the poll and the question, right? It's a big number. So yes, there are many other things that we wanted to include, but there is a limit. And it's a lot of work. Each one goes through a set of checks and we actually get validation from 
all kinds of organizations, health organizations, gun national gun organizations. We worked with attorneys general, the attorney general association, our attorney general here, prosecutors association, um, sheriffs association, just, you know, everything you can think of. And even the state police here had good input for us. So lots and lots of time in to do that. So we focused on the ones that we knew were most likely to be well received right away and uh, did the work to make sure they were ready early. And that's why we started there. There's lots more that we plan to do, hope to do, and the sooner the better, as far as I'm concerned. Well, let's talk a little bit about the doing more. This week, you said you were hopeful that you might see support from the other side of the aisle. Can you tell me a little bit more about what those conversations with folks who might not have been supportive of these bills in the past, have you had any of those conversations after what's happened this week, minds might be changed? Yeah, I, um, you know, we are starting that. I've talked to a couple of people um, and I do think that we're going to see some support. It's it's hard, right? It's a, it's a challenging time for us from a political perspective um, with the partisanship that's going on. But, you know, the circumstance and right here, you know, right here, literally where we're working, where I'm sitting today, this happened. And that school, Michigan State, boy, that affects everyone. I don't, I don't, I bet you there's not a single person in this town that doesn't have connections into Michigan State. You know, when, when the Oxford shooting happened, you know, everyone cared, but it took me six months just to pass a simple budget bill to get them the money to fix bullet holes in the wall. I mean, honestly, it was it was ridiculous how difficult that was to do. And this time, I think, though, it's so close. We had some of the some of the folks on the other side of the aisle stand up and give a speech that sounded a lot like the speeches on our side of the aisle. Right. People really do care. And I think we're going to get some of them to help us support this. And I think we're going to get the opportunity to sit down together and work on some of the next steps, too. As we both have mentioned, you represented Oxford in 2021 when four students were shot and killed. I'm wondering just how you're personally doing this week. Well, I I, I could probably count on one hand how many hours I've slept this week. Uh, in the first day, I you know I I just cried for a really really long time. I could not seem to stop, and and by the next day, I um. You know, in the end, you just have to work. So you you, you start to get angry, right? I and mean, you just just kind of all the feelings all the time. So you get, I get really angry. And then I sit down and start banging on the keyboard. And I wrote three or four versions of a speech that I still didn't give. And I wrote a different one last night. So um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways of dealing with the grief of all of it. But one of the things that I know, and even Oxford was not my first encounter with gun violence. And uh you you never you never escape that you never forget it you, the, the feelings are all still there the hurt is there always and so anything can set you back we had a sit-in yesterday with the uh, the Michigan State students came over to the Capitol yesterday and lots of them it was really just a powerful powerful thing they stood up one after another and told their story and asked us to listen and a whole lot of people from Oxford came. I went there wearing my Oxford sweatshirt and a green jacket <laughs> and uh, all my Oxford people. I mean, we, we, you know, everybody was just, we all managed to end up clumping together in this big, huge hug and crying. And it just doesn't stop. It doesn't disappear. You spoke a little bit about the anger and we heard some of that from the students um, talking about how angry they were, right? There was sadness, there was fear, but there was anger that something had not been done earlier. Is that resonating, do you think, among lawmakers at the Capitol? 
don't know. I mean, it certainly is, you know, with the people that I know well and that I work with every day, um, we all feel frustrated. You know, many of the, well, we have probably over the last two years introduced at least 40 pieces of legislation on this topic. You know, even though we continued to know that we weren't going to be able to get any of these bills to a vote, we still continue to work on it because we still know all that time in the minority, we recognize that this is a critical thing and we must keep pushing forward. We must keep trying to get this across the line. So, you know, we're never going to give up. We're, we're, we've just, we've been working at this. The first, the first bills, which I think might have been universal background checks, was 10 years ago. And it get reintroduced every two years and every new session, a little bit updated this time around. These bills now introduced, uh, you mentioned, though, that you think you'd like to see more. When might that be? And, and what additional bills might we see with this Democratic majority, this legislative session? You know, we just started talking about the real strategy going forward. I have to admit, in November, when the majority changed, um, we jumped into action on the stuff that we knew we wanted to do. I mean, it's not like we don't talk about this stuff. We do. So the next step is, you know, we're tiptoeing around the the strategy for how do we look at this over the next few years? What's our, what's our bigger plan? Um, I think there's a lot of things. I can't say the answer to what we will do, but there's a bunch of things having to do with liability on all parts, right? Owners, sellers, manufacturers. There's some interesting things going on in other states that we can leverage. We continue to look at the results from other states, by the way. That's a big piece of it. One of the other things that we have had success in, in the, over the last couple of years is um, intervention, intervention programming. And we've run a bunch of pilots across the state. Some are still running. Other ones are just expanding on their own. Um, we ran a small pilot in my district with uh, social workers riding along in uh, with police out to calls. And it was a combination of three communities working together to share a person, which they all three were so thrilled with the results. Incredible response to that. Uh, The cut down on the number of calls they make because they were solving problems on the first visit instead of back again, back again, back again. It's, It's immediate impact on programs like that. We have a fear violence pilot running in Grand Rapids that seems to be already making a big difference. So um, the governor uh, proposed, and I am going to advocate for, in our budget work, Office of Violence Intervention. So because I already am a true believer, I think that's going to be a key piece of our strategy for a while, maybe forever. Um, but we need to start working on building that up. And, and how can we do as much of that as possible across the state? And then there's a lot of other things. There's age restrictions we could put in. We could put in one, one simple thing we were hoping to put into this package was a, a longer wait time. When you go to get a handgun license, handguns seem to be one of the top issues these days, uh, a longer waiting period. So things like that are pretty straightforward, maybe banning some kinds of weapons, um, raising the age, you know, a lot of very practical things like that that seem simple, but every one of them is going to be some work for us. And we also want to make sure that we continue to take care of and recognize our hunting culture here in Michigan. You know, every time I'm in a big room and somebody says, how many people here hunt or know someone in their family who does, everyone raises their hand. So we aren't going to lose that. That's that's going to be with us for a long time. And we also know that they're not the problem. So every time I talk to hunters, they're never the problem. Most of my family hunts, right? They safely store their firearms. You know, I mean, all the things that we wish would happen do happen in that community. So we want to make sure they know that we're not out to, to change that. Senator, finally, while I I have you, um, is Michigan a safe state 
Um, I don't know if anybody feels terribly safe these days. This stuff happens anywhere now. There doesn't seem to be a place where you can know that you're you're not going to be. I got followed out of my office not that long ago from my with the guy behind me. I don't know where he came from, but he was behind me in front of the door back into the building because I was trying to get to my car carrying a, an AR-15. So I don't I, I don't think it's safe. No, I don't I don't think it is. It's our job. It is our job do something about this. This is why we're here in this job. So I take take that requirement very personally. Democratic Senator Rosemary Baer. She heads the Legislative Firearms Safety and Violence Prevention Caucus. She also represented Oxford during the school shooting that killed four students in 2021. Senator, thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Zoe. Really appreciate it. Let's turn now in the final few minutes that we have here to Rich Shuba. He is founder of Glenn Gariff Group. Hey, Rich. Hi, Zoe. So Glenn Gariff does survey research and a topic that you actually looked into just in November and then uh, over the summer was about gun safety in Michigan um, and voters' perspectives on it. You know, we heard there with Senator Baer, she referenced some polling. Um, broad overview, what do we know about voters' opinions about gun safety in Michigan? Well, you know, we asked a number of different questions on a number of different policies. And, you know, contrary to belief that everyone's divided and polarized, this is a topic in which we're finding in Michigan tremendous support across the political spectrum. And I think that's going to surprise a lot of people. But a perfect example is the question of background checks. We find that 90% of Michigan voters support background checks. And when you look at where there would traditionally be opposition on the Republican side, it does not exist. We talked to Republican primary voters in July. 91% of those Republican primary voters support background checks. If you are a Republican primary voter that owns a gun, that's actually 93%. So this is the lowest of the low-hanging fruit available, I think, on almost any policy in Michigan right now. Voters are fully behind these background checks. We look at a next one, which is red flag laws. And in November, well before any of this occurred, it was at 74 support to 18 oppose. And even there, Republican primary voters supported red flag laws 67 to 24. The reality is both of these bills have tremendous support across the aisle. It's something I think the legislature can look at and get done. But then we look at a third, which is safe storage laws. They have supported 63 to 33. The one place we see weakness is there with the base Republican voters who oppose it by a margin of 39 to 55. And that's really being driven by Republican men who oppose it 34 to 64. So we look at those three laws, and it's not just Republicans and Democrats. It's Republicans, Democrats, and independent voters. Rich, I guess I'm going to ask an elementary political question here. But if there's so much support, why hasn't this happened sooner? Well, it's pretty obvious. Republicans 
had control of the legislature in Michigan. And we see that Republican men particularly start opposing some of this legislation. And this is one of those issues that I perhaps untactfully refer to as a fetish lane within the Republican Party. In primary voters, Second Amendment rights are extremely important in primaries on the Republican side. So those elected officials who had the gavel in the House and the Senate for the last 10 years have been very reluctant to move any legislation. That's not the case anymore. The Democrats hold the gavels and they have the vast overwhelming support of voters in the state of Michigan to move these bills. That's Rich Shuba, founder of Glenn Gariff Group. Rich, I know you yourself are an MSU alum, so of course everyone's sending love to you and the entire Spartan community this week. You know, one of the things I think we're missing in all of this is the magnitude of Michigan State. And by that I mean every corner of this state gets touched by Michigan State University. There's not a person across Michigan, I think, who doesn't know somebody who has a child at Michigan State. There's not a farm in Michigan that has not been impacted by Michigan State over the years. The magnitude of this, I think, you know, has a real emotional effect on everyone across Michigan. Rich, thank you. You're welcome. And a quick but important note before we end today. If you're looking for resources, whether it's how to process a trauma, how to talk about what happened this week, or you're looking for someone to talk to or gather with close to campus, there is a resource guide at michiganradio.org. It's got a lot of really helpful information. We will also link to it on the It's Just Politics page. Again, that's all at michiganradio.org. And that is It's Just Politics for today. I am Zoe Clark. Maybe go hug a loved one this weekend. Let's talk again next Friday.